Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program provided by Living Stream Ministry and featuring the ministry of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. These two were faithful slaves of the Lord during their entire Christian lives and have become patterns to us of ones that counted all things lost on account of Christ. Witness Lee completed his most comprehensive work called the Life Study of the Bible just before going to be with the Lord in 1997. This program combines short excerpts from his original speaking, along with some of our own comments and fellowship. And as always, we'd like to hear from you with your thoughts or answer any questions that might arise while you're listening. We'll repeat this contact information at the end of the program, but if you have a pen right now, jot down our toll-free number, which is 888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788. Or you can reach us by email to radio at lsm.org. Now, let's join today's program. At the northernmost tip of Israel stands majestic Mount Hermon. This was most likely the spot where the Lord Jesus took his three disciples to witness one of the most incredible events ever seen by man's eyes. This was the transfiguration of the man Jesus, giving his chosen ones a brief glimpse of his glorious divinity as it was encased in his uplifted humanity, Our words fail in any meaningful measure to convey the depth of what Peter, James, and John saw firsthand that day. But Francis Ball is here as we'll do our best to convey, with the help of our dear brother Witness Lee, some of the significance of this monumental event in the New Testament. Welcome to the program, Francis. I'm not only happy to be here, Chris, I'm excited about this particular message. Well, we're in chapter 16, Francis of Matthew, and uh, this shows us the revelation of Christ and the church. And now as we proceed to chapter 17, it follows with this remarkable account of the Lord Jesus being transfigured before the eyes of his three disciples, Peter, James, and John. In our experience, Francis, what is the linkage between these monuments of the New Testament? Well, getting up to this point, of the transfiguration, we have come through a chapter about the pathway to glory Mm -hmm. and ending there with the uh, realization that we have to be willing to deny ourselves, to take up our cross and follow him. This is the pathway to glory, and this is the way to get there. So it seems like this, uh, this event really comes as a climax of all the pathway that we've been through to get to this glorious event where the Lord really manifests himself in his kingdom. That's a key phrase. Uh, we're going to pick that up. It actually is the last verse of Matthew 16 and, and is really the transition between this pathway to glory that you were talking about and what was about to take place on the Mount of Transfiguration. So let's read that verse uh, 28 in chapter 16 and then the first couple of verses of chapter 17 to set the stage for those listening. Matthew 16:28 says, Truly I say to you, There are some of those standing here who shall by no means taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John his brother and brought them up to a high mountain privately. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shined like the sun, and his garments became as white as the light." 
Uh, I don't know what it would have been like to be there. Of course, we're going to see how Peter handled it, uh, and probably his uh, response is not much different than ours would be. Let's join Witness Lee with his first portion. Chapter 17, verse 1 says, The Lord brought his three dear ones to the high mountain, and where the Lord Jesus was transfigured. His transfiguration was a kind of his coming. And his coming in the kingdom. Why? Because according to Matthew 17, his coming is his transfiguration. And his transfiguration is just his glorification. When he was transfigured, he was glorified. And what is to be glorified? He was God, then he became a man. And his divinity got into his humanity. He was the unique person who had both divinity and humanity. His divinity was concealed in his humanity. Inwardly, he was the very God. Outwardly, he was a man. The very God was hidden, was contained, was concealed within this man. And we know God is glory. Glory is just God expressed. God manifested is glory. Glory is nothing but God himself manifested and seen by man. Now, the very God within this man Jesus was the very glory, but that glory was concealed. Concealed by what? Concealed by the humanity of Jesus. The glorious divine element of the glorious divinity was altogether concealed in the man Jesus. While he was working on this earth for 33 years, that man Jesus was something quite extraordinary. But none of them had ever seen the very divinity within that man. Then one day, he brought three of his most close disciples to the high mountain. In front of them, he was transfigured. What is to be transfigured? What is to be glorified? It was that the man Jesus was fully saturated, permeated with his inward divinity. His whole humanity is soaked with his divinity. And the divine glory just comes out through this soaking, through this saturation. That was his transfiguration. And that was also his glorification. And that equals to what? To his coming of his kingdom. Francis, this event on the Mount of Transfiguration was only recorded in the Gospel of Matthew, which is the gospel of the kingdom. 
What does it mean that his transfiguration or glorification that took place here in front of the three brothers was equivalent to the coming of his kingdom? This really is a marvelous thing. This coming of the kingdom is the Lord's glorification, his transfiguration. And his glorification is the saturation of his humanity by his divinity. This is the marvel of this particular event. He really transfigured right before their eyes, and his humanity was saturated with his divinity. And this is really the meaning of transfiguration. And this is a preview, you might say, of the kingdom of Christ coming to the earth. When he was saturated, this is the kingdom of God. This is Christ himself glorified with the divinity that was in him, but hidden in him for that period of time when he was here on the earth, walking among his disciples. But he gave these three close disciples a preview of the coming of the kingdom of God to the earth. And that simply means that his humanity was fully saturated with the divinity. And this is glorification, this is transfiguration, and this is equal to the coming of the kingdom. As you pointed out in the opening today, this whole section of Matthew is being referred to as the pathway to glory. And of course, it was the path that he took leading up to this event where this glory was now manifested openly. But the other significant factor, as we've seen at each of these stations on the pathway to glory, is that he was also pointing to his disciples and by extension pointing to us. This is the pathway we also will be on. So as this was a preview or a glimpse of the coming kingdom in its manifestation, the actual kingdom will be the enlargement of this manifestation and expression. Right, Francis? Right, that's right. All of his believers uh, have the capacity to enter into this same glorification. Uh, That's really the hope and promise of the gospel, isn't it? And that's really the manifestation of the kingdom. Because when we get saturated with this very divine nature that we have been partaking of, according to Second Peter 1, 4, we're partakers of the divine nature. One right, day this right. will fully fill us and we'll be saturated with this glorious nature, just like he was pictured there. This is the Christ. It puts the understanding of the kingdom in a completely different realm rather than a natural thought that it's just the administration of his government and his authority. It certainly is that. But In its essence, intrinsically, it's something far more than just that. That's right. The administration just comes out of that. Well, let's go on in these verses. Of course, uh, we want to see what continues. There's more of this revelation that awaits us here uh, from verse 3 in chapter 17. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, conversing with him. And Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, it's good for us to be here. If you are willing, I'll make three tents here. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud saying, This is my son, the beloved, in whom I have found my delight. Hear him. And when the disciples heard this, they fell on their face and were greatly frightened. And Jesus came to them and touched them and said, Arise and do not be afraid. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. Peter was uh, somewhat rudely interrupted here, wasn't he, Francis? (laughs) That's right. Let's join Witness Lee as we take this second portion. When Christ was transfigured there, 
<laughs> Two men came. Peter said, Lord, it's good. I'm going to uh, erect three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Peter said that absurd proposal. He was more than excited. I think uh, by that time his uh, pulse must be uh, 150. <laughs> the Lord Jesus didn't vindicate himself, but a voice came while Peter was still speaking. <laughs> that shot Peter. Peter got stopped. You know, Peter was stopped a few times. The voice came with the cloud. He was shot to death. All the three, they all got shot. Then Moses and Elijah were taken away. Why? Because God would not tolerate to see that his children would rank anyone on the same level as his son Christ is. No one should be ranked on the same level as Christ is. God couldn't tolerate this. Right away, God took away Moses and Elijah. Then they saw no man but Jesus alone. That was a real lesson. Christ in God's economy is the living lawgiver. He has imparted himself into our being as the lawgiver of the law of life. In other words, he is our real Moses. Moses was just a tap. Moses was a shadow. Christ is also the real prophet. Elijah was just a type. Elijah was a shadow. The real prophet is Christ. Christ is within us, not only imparting the law of life into our being, but all the time speaks for God within us. And he also speaks for God within us. So, in today's New Testament economy, we don't need any other Moses, any other Elijah, because we have the real Moses and the real Elijah. Both of these two are just Christ himself. Christ today is our Moses. Christ today is our Elijah. Well, Francis, of course, Peter's not-so-enlightened suggestion would make an interesting topic of discussion, but probably the matter of Christ being the real Moses and the real Elijah is more meaningful, isn't it? Oh, my. By far, it's much, much better to see that these two that appeared there with him on the Mount of Transfiguration are really types of Christ. We all know that Moses was the lawgiver, Mm -hmm. but that law that was given through Moses really is the dead letter because there's no way for the law to give life. It can only condemn because we're so far short of what it depicts, and it really shows us who God is, but it doesn't give us any supply. Then Christ now is the real Moses because he is the lawgiver within us. He came into us, 
And he's the one who not only shows us what God wants, but he also supplies us with all that we need in order to meet God's requirement. This is a marvelous picture. We have an inner law, a law of life. It's not a law in letters, but a law of life. So Christ is really our real Moses. And also, he's the one within us that's speaking. If we pay attention to him being in us, in our spirit, we know his voice is the voice of God speaking in us. So he's our real Elijah. We get God speaking, God's speaking Christ forth within us so that we have both Moses and Elijah, but no longer Moses and Elijah. Not the two that were there, but the reality of what they typified is within us now. And I I surely agree with you. This is by far the most important and much more uh, meaningful way to look at this event than just to uh, consider what Peter saw there. And I think we would all made a similar mistake had we been there. It just depends on how passive we are or how active we are. Peter was always coming out very boldly. And so that way he learned a lot of lessons. Yeah. But I'd like to learn from him instead of learning each one of these lessons <laughs> just for myself. That's a good observation. Um, he was bold enough to say what most of us would just think That's right. uh, and wish someone would say. And, of course, Peter would step forward, and thereby we all get the lesson and we all – have benefited because of our brother Peter's uh, boldness. It has exposed not only him, but more so probably ourselves and what uh, naturally how distant our view is from the reality of this incredible manifestation taking place on the Mount of Transfiguration. And as the years go by, no doubt all of these events stayed with Peter and stayed with all of the disciples so that then they could open them up for us. And this is really the the ministry that's been conveyed to us today, isn't it, Francis? That's right. And it, what a blessing we have in being able to see this meaning here. I think that's the real treasure of this ministry, Chris, that it opens up the real meaning behind the words and behind the events. Well, this coming section is a, a further example of what you're just talking about, Francis, and very encouraging. I think any genuine believer will want to hear these words. Please stay with us. Let's go back to Witness Lee. In the coming kingdom in the manifestation of the kingdom, Christ will be with divinity and humanity. But by that time, his humanity will be fully saturated with his divinity. His humanity will be glorified in the glory of his divinity. Of course, Peter, John, James were there. Here's a little window. Someday we'll be there. We will not only see these, but also experience these. Something divine is now within us. We do have the divine life with the divine nature. Something divine within us. And we are a human being. And we do have our humanity. Regardless how spiritual you are, how holy you are, you still uh, have the humanity. And this humanity still remains human. It has not been saturated with the divine glory. One day in the manifestation of the kingdom, our humanity also will be glorified. Will be glorified with what? With the glorious divinity within us. 
you better read Romans chapter 8. The predestinated, then we have been called, and after being called, we have been justified, then what? Uh, eventually, we all will be what? Glorified. Glorified. To be glorified is to be saturated with God's glory. To be glorified is to be transfigured. Not from without, but from within. One day will come, we will shock, we will surprise all the unbelievers. And this is mentioned clearly in the second book of Thessalonians. When the Lord Jesus comes, all the unbelievers will be Shocked by our what? By our transfiguration, by our glorification, because we are human, exactly the same as all the unbelievers. They would say, what difference? What's different between you Christians and us? What difference? Apparently today, no difference, but wait, one day will come, there will be a glorious difference. This is the coming of the kingdom. Francis, what an encouraging note to end on. Uh, a tremendous promise of the full salvation of God for all the genuine believers. How can we describe this, Francis? That we will experience the very glorification that Christ demonstrated on the mount. I really like his word here, speaking of the difference between us, the Christians, and the unbelievers. Apparently today, he said, no difference, but wait one day. That's right. Even with the Lord Jesus, while he was here on earth, he did extraordinary deeds, but he just appeared as a man because he was not yet fully glorified in his humanity being manifested in the glory. But here on the mountain, then he gave a preview of this coming thing that would even uh, be true of these disciples, and not only these disciples, but even all of us who have this divine nature in us now. This divine life is within us. This is the nature within us. But still, we have to admit, we still have our natural humanity. In order for the, the manifestation of the kingdom to come, we have to be saturated with this divine nature and this divine life. It has to soak us till we will be manifested, not suddenly, but gradually this divine life is operating in us to soak our whole being so that we will be glorified. I like that verse in Colossians 3, I believe verse 4. It says, when Christ shall be manifested, we shall be manifested with him in glory. That may seem like all of a sudden we're manifested, but it's like a little seed planted in the soil, soaking up all the transformable materials of the soil and as that plant grows, that seed grows and develops, and the soil is being included so that eventually the soil and its transformed elements with the blossom of that seed itself will appear together, not side by side, but as one. And this is the glory that we're anticipating, and this is the manifestation of the kingdom. Right now, we can have the enjoyment of the reality of the kingdom because Christ is in us. And there can be on this earth kind of an expression, an outward appearance of the kingdom that's not the real thing. 
But in that day, we will be fully glorified with the glory of God, of the divine life that's now hidden within us, will be manifested to the full, and we will be in the kingdom of Christ. Great analogy, Francis. Of course, Witness Lee loved this analogy of the carnation seed that blossoms one day. And of course, the blossoming actually does take place quite suddenly, quite instantly. But it's the result of, as you described, this process of the absorption of all of the nutrients and elements from the soil that results in this magnificent display that takes place one day. But right now, we're in the process. But there's a day coming, Francis, a manifestation coming, and it will be clear in the universe yes. who is what That's right. and what is what. That's really the answer to what you mentioned there. What's the difference? Exactly. Uh, we, we just appear like every other person on the earth, but because we have a divine life in us that's growing and will blossom, there won't be any mistake who's who. <laughs> Francis, thank you for your fellowship today. We're out of time. Let me point out our toll-free number and invite you to call us. It's one eight eight eight. Life Study. That's 888-543-3788. For Francis Ball today, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. These programs consist of excerpts from Witness Lee's spoken ministry, along with our discussion and comments, and all focusing on God's heart's desire that we would enjoy Christ as the divine life for man. There are more than 1,700 programs like this one available online free of charge that you can download, stream live, or add to your podcast subscription. Just visit our website, lsmradio.com. That's lsmradio.com. You can also reach us by email, radio at lsm.org. Thanks for listening today.